What's up, people? I'm Jude Gold. I've been sent here to blow your minds by simply bringing you great guitar players, having them play for you, show you what they do, and today is certainly no exception. Today, Joe Robinson. Man, we're talking about like a like the spirit of Vince Gill powered by the energy of Tommy Emmanuel with the finesse of Chet Atkins. I mean, I don't mean to be too hyperbolic, but you're going to be inspired. Joe Robinson on the show. We're going to fire up that copter right now, head straight to Nashville. Just real quick, got to mention Guitar Player Magazine. They made this show possible. Guitar Player Magazine, guitarplayer.com. Check them out. Play better, sound better. Guitar Player. No guitar is safe. Joe Robinson, man, great to finally connect with you. And you got some magical fingers there. What are you playing today? You want to... Um, Warm up that guitar. It looks like a maiden. Sure thing. Yeah, it's great to connect with you, you Jude. This is my maiden JR signature guitar, and uh, it's it's the the brand new model. I've had this particular instrument about a year. I got it at the Nam Show last year, and uh, I can play a little. So wonderful. Thank you. Was that? I recognize that. Is that. It's not easy. Which one of those is that? One That's of your called Royal Flush. The Royal it's Flush. It's on the same, same album as It's Not Easy in the same era. Yeah, it's like yeah, that, a, that. the time jumping record. Yep, those are my one of my earlier instrumental tracks. Incredible record. That's like 2009 or something. And like, obviously, Vince Gill has his band Thank of you. hot shots called the Time Jumpers. And uh-huh. What does what, what this expression time jumping mean? I guess it's just bouncing around from all the different eras? or Yeah, well, that the song on the album, Time Jumping, was actually influenced by the time jumpers <laughs> because I was I was enjoying kind of playing. I, I used to go down and sit in with them periodically when I first came to Nashville, and that was, of course, just a blast when they played at the Station Inn. And uh, I named the kind of Western swingy type tune on the album Time Jumping. And I originally had the album titled Midnight in Nashville. And in fact, there's about a thousand copies in Europe. When I first toured in Europe, I sold it as Midnight in Nashville. But then I went to, to Australia and the, the label ABC Records didn't want to put it out with Nashville in the title because it was the Australian Broadcasting Corporations was the label. So they wanted to rechange the name. So we changed it to Time Jumping. So that's how it happened. <laughs> that's a great name. Now, um... You're like a young Vince Gill, you know. You got you're singing, you're writing beautiful songs, you're playing with all kinds of incredible artists, and you got all these insane chops. 
Did you get to connect Thanks, with dude. Vince at all? Talk to him a little bit. What a nice guy, man. Yeah, you, you couldn't you couldn't meet a nicer person, and and you know such a such an incredible musician and artist. Um, yeah, I've I've gotten to hang with Vince a number of times over the years. You know, sometimes informally, like we'll go down to Nashville Deli f- for breakfast, and Vince will be sitting there. I'll have a big catch up chat, or I'll be in uh, Joe Glazer's guitar shop, and I'll be taking my guitar in to have a little work done, a refret or something, and Joe will be hanging out there, and we'll have ha- have a good old chat. But I I played at. Uh, 12 i think it was 12 or 14 shows uh, a couple years ago at the ryman auditorium with amy grant and vince gill part of their christmas series i was with rodney crowell so i played this kind of little acoustic trio with rodney and we uh we were part of that show so we were down at the ryman with with them all every every night for a couple weeks it was just a blast and and yeah it was it was fun being at soundcheck and vince would be watching from the side and he'd clap and and uh yeah we just have a good old time hanging out yeah, that's the kind of only in Nashville stories I like to hear. Right. First of all, Joe Glazer, you know, he he's, I just got to know him because I was doing that, um, I was reviewing the Brent Mason Telecaster with the Joe right. Glazer bender on it, and that's such a clever device. And I started talking to him a bunch and just on the phone. and He's brilliant. Brilliant stories about how guitars are built and how to fix them, how to intonate them. And that guy is deep cat. And then just, just imagine just like running into Vince Gill at the uh, the deli is is hilarious and great. Yeah, there's there's always really interesting people in in his shop, and and they they do such great work. I'm really grateful for for Joe and his whole team. You know, ever since I first came to town, I took my my you know guitar to them, my maiden, and they'd have the the Plec machine do the fret dress, which is this laser fret dressing machine that that Joe developed. Uh, he's an incredibly um, smart guy. And yeah. Uh, yeah, just w- they do wonderful work in their laser instruments. Yep, it's crazy. You can order stuff if you want to send him a guitar. He'll, he'll put one of his benders on there that are very minimally invasive. Mm. Um, yeah, the Plec is amazing too. Uh, Gary Brower out here in California has one of those. You put your guitar on there and just watch it, like scan it for half an hour, and then it measures all the frets. <laughs> right. <laughs> it almost looks like a, a torture device, but somehow it ends up with uh, beautiful, perfect frets at the end. So any talk with guitar, any talk guitar with Vince or anything that he took away from this, this, I mean, he's like a, to all us musicians, he's about as heroic as it gets because he just yeah. does everything. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we, we've talked guitar a little bit. I remember when, one time I was in Glazer's shop and I had my guitar there and he picked up my guitar, my maiden, and he, he strummed it and he, he put his hand on the face of the guitar and then took it off. So you can hear the top resonating. He's like, man, that top's moving. He's like, that's a beautiful instrument. And uh, yeah, I mean, he, he he was playing his 335 during most of those Christmas shows when we were hanging out. And um, yeah, he got such a great sound with these little pair of deluxe reverbs. But yeah, what a what a, what what a great player and guy. And yeah, and of course with the time jumpers, you know, going down to sit sit in with them, whenever they get me up on stage, because I I would go down there often just to take any people who would come into town down to the you know the best show in town is monday night with the time jumpers and andy reese the guitar player is a is a friend of mine and he'd always say he'd always call me up on stage and as soon as i was walking up vince would be like i'm i'm going he said here's 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 my guitar joe you play it and so i'd play vince's guitar and and he'd make some comment about that's the way it really should sound or some something like that you know he's quite a he has a self-deprecating sense of humor but yeah incredible and then great guy and then sometimes you get to play with one of my other heroes, maybe Paul Franklin. Yeah, 
a steel yeah, player. Boy, he's such an incredible musician. Yeah, you know, sitting in with the time jumpers, I'll I'll play a solo next to Paul Franklin, and that that's a nerve wracking experience because <laughs> I don't know, he gets the most perfectly balanced sound out of that steel guitar, and it's it's always just a perfectly crafted solo and incredibly interesting and exciting and yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how he does it because that's a difficult instrument to play. That's for sure. And as Brent Mason said on this show, he could learn to fly an airplane quicker than he could learn to play one of those things. <laughs> but yeah, Paul Franklin, like I saw him one time here in LA with um, John Oates from Hollow Notes uh-huh. and, and Guthrie playing guitar. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, the, the sound coming out of Paul's amp too, it's like, it's something to see in person when you see a great steel player like that cranking through like a deluxe, turning all the way up at the the volume range of a guitar player, maybe even using a little wah pedal or this or that, but it's a steel guitar coming through there. It's a, It was definitely sent from heaven, that sound. <laughs> yeah, it's an incredible sound. And like I said, it's so balanced and so, you know, I actually play a Fender Showman with a 115 inch speaker, which oh, is cool. very much kind of a steel guitar type rig. And I'm kind of trying to go for that big, clean, you know, full range sound when when I'm playing live. So I I love the sound of a steel guitar, especially the tone Paul gets. Now, speaking of heavenly sounds, on the same record we just discussed, um, you have Misty, which is a beautiful version of Misty. And there's also a YouTube on your channel of you playing it on a stereo 58 Gretsch, I believe. Yeah. I mean, as if Travis picking didn't like Travis picking in the hands of a great player like yourself. I mean, if it didn't already sound like two guitar players playing, and then you add the stereo effect, <laughs> it really sounds like multiple players. When, if someone listens to that, go to YouTube, check it out. Maybe I can play a little sample of it here. If you're listening in stereo, it's just maniacal. Maybe you could demonstrate yeah. a little bit of that on your uh, acoustic. Sure. I don't know.
mind-boggling. It's As fun it, playing that on the on the old Gretsch because yeah, that was Chet's idea originally, I think, where you have three pole pieces on the neck pickup and three pole pieces on the bridge, and so you can send, you know, the three uh, bottom strings to one amp and the three top strings to another amp and get a real stereo image going. That's and Chet used to put like bass strings on the bottom <laughs> on the bottom strings of the guitar and really exaggerate the uh, kind of counterpoint element of. Uh, of his arrangements. And so the pickups literally only have three pole pieces on one pickup and three on the other? Yep. So if you put it on just the neck pickup, you would really not hear the high strings. Exa- <laughs> if- exactly. Well, you wouldn't hear the, the, the low strings. Oh, okay. So the the bass strings are coming out of the uh, treble pickup? Yes. Oh, okay. I had it backwards. So you get kind of the warm neck pickup for the high strings and then the, the more throaty brighter sound for the bass strings it's really nice now not trying to flatter you or anything but i think if chet were here he would say that you're a certified guitar player a cgp as he has bestowed on one or two or three or four other people like tommy emmanuel and because you're in this rare quality of player that like you just hit a button and you just go like just having that piece ready and in your fingers and (laughs) <laughs> and playing it that well with zero warm up or any, you know, just like it's pretty cool that you're a, the Energizer Bunny like that, just on or off. <laughs> well, I mean, I've been practicing this morning. I must confess. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'll, but you know, who knows? You don't know exactly what I'm going to ask you to play, though. Right. That 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 that's true. And I I would have loved to have met Chet. You know, I, I so so many of my friends here in town work close with him, and um, and you know, I just love hearing stories about about what a character he was. Rad. This Travis picking thing that you do, uh, uh, maybe we could go back to your uh, childhood. I know that uh, your maybe your family was musical. Tell us about that. Like, How did you end up going from a musical kid, musical family, to becoming a virtuoso guitar player living in Nashville? Because you grew up in Australia. Yeah, grew, grew, grew up in Australia. And my parents, you know, there was a lot of music around the house. My mom played drums in a few bands, and they'd play just kind of, you know, pop and R&B cover songs and folk songs and my dad played a little banjo and guitar and so they'd kind of jam with their friends on the weekends and it was kind of just, you know, a good musical environment. And they had, you know, a few guitar playing friends who played very traditional Chet Atkins and Jerry Reed, Mel Travis, you know, that repertoire. And so they sat me down and said, oh, Joe, check this out. And they put a thumb pick on my thumb and they showed me how to play that pattern over an A7 yeah. chord and then add the, the fingers to do something like this so just really basic that was kind of like my introductory lesson to Travis picking and from there they would show me kind of like Jerry Reed songs like Mr. Lucky jumped up a few skill levels there from the first piece they showed you to that one <laughs> i remember when i was learning that it took me hours it felt like a lifetime sitting there learning every little phrase thankfully yeah the the jones brothers uh, are the ones that showed me you know the f- folks in australia who played all those songs and they were really patient 
and uh, they're, they're actually a boxing family. So I'd have a little guitar lesson, and then they'd take me out back, and I'd put a set of gloves on, and I'd work the bag a little bit, and they'd show me some boxing c- c- moves. Dude, that's so, Australia um, for you. Yeah, this is when I was uh, t- 10 or 11 years old. So when I when I got to meet Tommy and Phil Emanuel, I could kind of play that style a little bit. And of course, when I heard you know, Tommy playing acoustic guitar, I was like, oh my goodness, I need to figure out how to do that and how to get that sound. And Phil Emanuel playing electric guitar on an amazing, in, in an amazing way, they both just really inspired me and, and encouraged me too because I got to meet them. And then, you know, that just snowballed into me starting to get out there and play more gigs. And eventually I found myself over in Nashville and I moved there, you know, when I was 18. And that's where I've been ever since. I'm, I'm yeah. 29 now. First of all, what kind of thumb pick do you prefer? I use a Dunlop medium. And it looks like it's a white colored pick. Cool. Yep. I have some white ones and I have some uh, kind of tortoiseshell c- c- colored ones here. Oh, and they're the same stuff, basically. Yeah. They're the, basically the same material. I just find they all they each fit a little bit different, a tiny bit different, you know. And, uh, and there are some that I've played for, you know, a few years and they've, and yeah. they've just worn in a little bit. But like coming like three really sizes for different thumbs or something. Or yeah, I, I don't know. It's like the weather changes, the humidity changes, and one <laughs> fits better, and then another one fits better. It, I I can't ever figure it out, but I always have you know five or six in my pocket. Now, would you be willing to give someone like a, you know, say someone's a established electric guitar player, they've been doing it for years or something, but they're fascinated. Like in other words, they kind of know some guitar, but they're from, they're fascinated with Travis picking and the way that it sounds so yeah. huge. Could you give someone a, a quick little lesson on how to get going with a thumb pick and, and start getting the, the sound of multiple parts going from, from zero to, to more? Sure. <laughs> so if you put a thumb pick on your right-hand thumb and you kind of anchor the palm of your hand on the bridge, so you're going to palm mute the strings, and we're going to play the fifth string, the fourth string, the sixth string, and the fourth string. And we're going to have an A7 with the left hand. So the A7 is going to be like a three-finger uh, three version of the A7. It's not really only two, two fingers. Basically, the first finger is barring on the fifth fret. And yeah. then the middle finger is on the sixth fret of the G string. So you yeah. get that A7. Most people will know that. And the two so lowest strings are open. Yeah, exactly. The two bottom strings are open. And so you go five, four, six, four, five, four. Six four with the thumb. That's it. Just the thumb with that muted bass sound. And try and get that to feel good. And then you can add just kind of a string grab on the downbeat. And then you can move through a blues progression. comfortable with that you can add like a roll more advanced roll
wonderful. How many of your fingers do you use? So obviously the, the thumb is doing all the thumb picking. Do you use two, your first finger, middle finger, and ring finger? or? Yeah, I, I make pretty good use of my ring finger. Also the pinky occasionally, but for the most part, yeah. it's the thumb and the three fingers. Uh, my general go-to kind of way of approaching it is the G string will be played by the first finger, the B string by the middle finger, and the high E by the ring finger. Although that's not a that's a rule I break all the time, but that's kind of a starting place if yeah. I'm going to be playing, you know, a finger style tune. Now, uh, do you know Merle Travis's son, Tom Bresh, who lives in town? I think he still lives there. Great guy. I, I, I met him a few I, times. I interviewed him. Yeah, he's a real character and a great player. And uh, yeah, I love hearing him play all those all those great songs. I love hearing him play sixteen tons. <laughs> Cannonball Rag. Or Nine Pound Man Hammer. <laughs> Something like that. But uh, yeah, the, the Tra- Mel Travis had so many great songs. Tom, Tom Bresh has a lot of great songs too. Yeah, now Tom, if, in case anyone wants to check him out, it's spelled T-H-O-M and then Bresh, B-R-E-S-H. He's Merle's son. And uh, talk, that's like being Jimi Hendrix's son or something. I mean, it's like, wow. So, but it, he <laughs> told me some interesting stuff. Like he told me that Merle pretty much only used his first finger as far, okay, obviously he's using the thumb pick, but then as far yeah. as other fingers, he did like 99% of it with just the first index finger plucking, which is fascinating. Yeah, Merle had kind of this kind of, you know, Chet was very articulate and very precise, and Mo was a little more kind of, uh, you know, he wouldn't just play one note necessarily. He'd play, he'd kind of go like that. That was my he'd kind next of play question. A couple notes at a time. Because, yeah, he, that was the other thing that I remember him showing me is how, with enough string muting, I guess, with the palm of your plucking hand, he would play through the bass notes. So you get kind of like a yeah. chunk, like you were just doing, right? Yeah, and you know, it's kind of just it's just it's just a bit of a feel thing, you know. He had a bit of a different feel than 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 Chet. And uh yeah, a little bit of a a rougher, more yeah, raw st- style of playing. And if I play something like um That would be more of a Travis feel, whereas Chet might play it. Yeah, Chet had a really beautiful and measured way of playing, and Travis was, I think, more blues-influenced. And of course... The greatest quote, I have to say it again. I, I think I said it at the beginning of the Tommy Emanuel episode, but but uh, Chet apparently, when he first, he, sa- he said of Merle Travis, who inspired him to play, that if it wasn't for Merle Travis, I'd still be looking at the rear end of a mule. <laughs> yeah, I heard that quote too. That's so great. that's one of the great guitar quotes of all time. Yeah, um, I'm with you. <laughs> now you have such great time. Did you... Spendle, did you consciously work with a metronome or anything as you were growing up? Or because you're uh, yeah. really even. Th- thank you. Well, I, I didn't always have 
good time. And in, I, in fact, I feel it's the thing I work on the most. And the, the thing that really separates someone like Tommy, who's just got such great tempo and feel and groove from, you know, a lot of players because, he, and I know he works really hard on it too. I've heard him practicing with a metronome, you know, in the in the green room before a show for a, a, a long time. Um, it, it is something that I do a lot. I um, am always working with the metronome at different tempos. Sometimes I'll have the, the metronome hitting on the two and four, sometimes on the one and three. Mm-hmm. And my general practicing method that has worked the best for me is I sit down in front of a mirror with my guitar and I have the metronome going and I, I wind the back metronome back so it's going really slow and I'll play something yeah as slow and as painstakingly you know deliberately and, and carefully at different dynamic levels so I play it quite loud and I'll play it quite soft and then when I speed it up and want to play it at performing tempo everything kind of connects together and is smooth. So that's a big part of the way I practice is, is using the metronome. And the first time I met Tommy Emmanuel, when I was a teenager, I played him some of my, my songs. And uh, I should say the first time I met him in Nashville and got to hang with him properly, he said, Joe, you need to write songs with better melodies and you need to work on your time. He's like, you've got to get your tempo to be really solid. And that was the best advice he could have given me because it's really true if you're a solid guitar player, have, having good a good sense of, of time and, and rhythm is a big part of what makes the music feel good. Now, you mentioned that you use a mirror when you're doing it. How does the mirror come into play? Well, you know, as guitar players, we get so used to just looking at our hands and kind of staring yeah. down when we're playing. And I find that when we get on stage, if we've never looked out at the audience, it kind of becomes paralyzing. <laughs> it's like it just feels so foreign to look anywhere else but your hands. And, you know, you, if you watch a performer, you don't want to see someone just staring at their hands. So I find it just helps me train myself to look forward rather than down. And that's one thing as I love to do when, when I walk out onto a stage yeah. is, is just make a connection with the audience and look out at everybody and look them right in the eye and, and just have that freedom. And I find that just really helps my performing skills a lot and it also allows you to kind of monitor your posture and your technique and you can see if your left hand's too tight too tense i noticed that that that's a problem that i i think a lot of us guitar players have is trying to get the left hand to be super relaxed and the right hand to have the ability to play loud or or soft you know speaking about fingerstyle specifically you know play with any dynamic level with with the right hand and have the left hand just play with the perfect relaxed you know technique so it's a difficult thing to train, but I find the mirror helps. What's your work schedule like in terms of working on Joe Robinson? And I imagine a lot of that is guitar playing. And then, of course, you're doing videos and YouTubes and social media. Yeah. And are, are, do you work seven days a week or do you take a day off? And during those work days, how many hours a day do you probably work? Well, general, my routine for the past... I'll, I'll talk about the past week and then I'll talk about this coming week. <laughs> so the past week, I pretty much had, um, you know, I was just working from home and I'd wake up at 4 a.m. Between 4 and 4.30, I, you know, I love to wake up early. It's just I'm useless in the evenings. <laughs> no, that's just me. And some people are night owls and I, I just can't function at night. So I get, get up early and from about 5 a.m. to 9 a.m., I'll do a four-hour practice block. And that'll be like arranging new songs, practicing, you know, my repertoire, working on my voice, writing songs, tweaking arrangements, playing stuff really slow, 
all, all of that and more. And then I'll have breakfast and kind of usually take care of emails and the kind of things that build up like that. And then generally I'll have kind of a, a, a filming session where I, I'm either making content for social media, a lot of you know YouTube videos, Instagram. Um, I'm also creating content for my TrueFire channel called Guitar Synergy, which is where I upload tutorials for songs and you know guitar lesson type things. Or I'm doing sessions for people. So people will send me files with Pro Tools and I'll put guitar on them. Uh, you know, I'm doing that quite a bit these days. And um, and then, you know, I spend the rest of the day editing and just, you know, working on that. So it's pretty much, it's 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 a full-time gig and then some. So that, that, that was kind of like every day last week. And I do take Sundays to just, I'll practice in the morning and then I'll just take the rest of the day to chill. And then tell us about like now that you've been in Nashville, 11 years, 10 years, do you find yourself at least in pre-pandemic times doing stuff in different studios and stuff and running around? Yeah. yeah, well, you know, I was about to say this coming week, I have a lot of sessions coming up. I have sessions almost every day. So I'm working in, you know, a few different studios with a variety of different producers and musicians. And uh, and I enjoy that for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, I'm fortunate that I get called for, for music that I, I like, typically. So the people who I've developed a rapport with, you know, will call me for a specific thing that that I know that I'll enjoy doing. You know, I, I don't get called to play on just kind of, you know, the the mainstream Nashville type stuff, which, which I think would be a real challenge and I know is a challenge for a lot of people because you're playing, you know, music that's very similar every day. <laughs> and um, Tell us, say more about that. What do you mean the people be a challenge to play music like that very similar every day? Well, imagine turning up to a session and you're working with great musicians and there's already 12 tracks of programmed drums and synthesizers and you're basically just trying to play along to this, you know, demo with really great people and it just kind of takes the spontaneity out of the equation and, and you know, I, that that's how a lot of the modern Nashville music is made these days. And, and uh, yeah, I mean... Pretty much everything I get called for is live musicians in a room playing great songs. Um, so I'm really fortunate in that regard. And uh, and it, it, it's a great community of musicians and, and recording engineers and studios in Nashville. I mean, that's one of the reasons I love living here. So I, I enjoy doing that. But but when, I, when that's part of my routine, it, everything changes a little bit. And I still try and practice and get up quite early, but I'm also trying get plenty of rest because as we know there's a bit of a bud going around at the moment so we, you got to be careful and 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 all that yep of course you have a beautiful new record out called borders because it came out in late 2020 and uh, you're doing a lot of beautiful layering you're singing a ton of course as you have on other records yeah. and you seem to be layering some uh, beautiful electric guitar solos over like this guitar solo tone on the song boundless yeah recording that tone man it sounds like it's in the room with me when i listen to it, it sounds like i'm right there with this guitar a little tiny bit of overdrive yeah thank, thanks so much well i um my main recording amp is a little fender champ 
from 1967. And I was just having a conversation yesterday that you know I find a Champ sounds even better than a Deluxe Reverb or a Princeton that a lot of people use as studio amps because the Champ is quieter, so you can crank the preamps gain a little bit, so you get a little more juice from the preamps. So, yeah, I really love to record with a Fender Champ, and I'm just marking it with a, a 57 and a Royer, which is a pretty typical you know electric guitar marking uh, approach for Nashville. Like the 121. And, uh, yeah, Royal 121. Yeah, just right on the speaker there. The Royer a little closer to the center, and the 57 a little closer to the edge. And uh, that's that's basically what I'm doing on that guitar. I was using an Ibanez GB10, an old Ibanez GB10 that, that's from the 90s that a, a friend of mine gave to me one day at a show in Boston. So I really love playing that guitar. Of course, George Benson is a, you know, one of my favorite players ever. So I was having fun. Wait, you're talking about Boundless. That, that was actually a strap. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, there's a there's a few. I mean, there's a lot of beautiful solos on there. Like, on Sorry. Yeah, that's that that's the George Benson guitar. Oh, man, that's a wonderful solo. creating borders i recorded that you know during kind of middle of the pandemic and we tracked drums and bass at my friend nia z's house and nia z is a you know incredible studio drummer here in nashville and then i took the files back home and, and did everything else from home so it was very much a quarantine album and the, and the subject matter of the album is about me missing my fiance who's in canada and so we're separated by the border during the, the pandemic waiting for her visa to be approved so she can come and, and moved to the U.S., so it's a spe- special album to me, and, and uh, I'm thrilled that so many people, you know, have reacted positively to it. Yeah, a lot of wonderful songs on there. There's a Thank one you. song. The bass is so funky, but I like. I guess it's sorry, sorry, the same song. The bass sounds really funky, almost like a guitar or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're playing together, so there's the bass groove. <laughs> So the guitar and bass are kind of playing that that riff together. You want to sing a little bit of one of your new songs or anything? Sure. Like singing a little bit today? I know it's past noon there, not quite here. <laughs> yeah, I'll sing a little bit of. Uh, I'll sing a little bit of. Sorry, it's Sweet. a bit high. We'll see see if I can get up there. Here I am all alone right now Trying not to call you again I know I did you wrong I was blind somehow But when if I knew then All the things that I know now That I know now I would take us back To the night When you caught my eye And our bodies aligned And it all felt right Believe me when I say that I'm sorry This feeling still haunts me 
every night Can you give me one more chance to make it right And say I'm sorry Let me say that I'm sorry I know I let you down And I really hurt you baby But I swear I'll change We've come this far Can't help but hope that maybe You might give me one more chance One more chance I would take us back To the night When you caught my eye And our bodies aligned And it all felt right Believe me When I say that I'm sorry This feeling still haunts me Every night Can you give me one more chance to make it right And say I'm sorry Let me say that I'm sorry Very nice, thanks for doing that You must be having fun doing solo shows now Or you're really uh, doing your own songs and singing for crowds Yeah, you know, that's the reason I started singing Is because I remember playing instrumental songs for an hour and a half during a show and just feeling like i gotta give the crowd something different (laughs) so when i play a solo show you know i I really try and uh pull out as many different interesting elements as i can so i play acoustic guitar i play electric guitar i sing i have a a percussive foot stomp box and I, i use a little bit of looping as well not not kind of in a sense of stacking things and kind of in a traditional, you know, looping style, but I'll put down an acoustic part and then I'll pick up electric guitar and play over the top. And, and uh, yeah, I really enjoy the kind of solo show in, in terms of, you know, some people will say, don't you feel like, you know, you're just all alone up there on stage and you have no one to rely on? And I think, well, that's why I enjoy it is because I have all the control. Nice. So uh, I, I, I do enjoy, you know, playing, playing solo concerts. I'm looking forward to getting back to that soon. For basic looping like that, what what do you use? What device? I use a Boss RC1. Like the single so, pedal? Yep, single pedal, cool. real simple, but I use an external foot switch with it. Yeah. So that allows me to just clear it. I, what What's the process? It almost seems like you're doing a reinvention of sorts. Like you came out as this young virtuoso. You're still young. <laughs> Damn it. But <laughs> you... Uh, um, came out as this virtuoso youngster instrumental guitar player, and now you're becoming more of a, a singer-artist all around. What's that process been like for you? Yeah, it's been interesting. I um, I feel like I'm, I'm always going to be a guitar player first, and I, I do, you know, write a lot of songs these days, including with different people and, and, and you know, putting out albums with my voice on it. You know, I, I, I still feel... What I'm really trying to find is just the sweet spot of playing my guitar in a signature way and and playing really great songs that anyone can enjoy whether they understand the instrument or not. And that's, you know, I've been live streaming weekly concerts for the past, you know, number of weeks. And I really enjoy being able to impress someone with a, you know, an instrumental piece that's quite meticulously arranged and that I've practiced hours and hours again. And then I'll play like Blackbird by the Beatles and, and just play a really simple rendition of that and sing it. 
And, you know, people enjoy that as well. So I, 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 I see my job as being, you know, a musician, bringing music to the people. And, uh, and I think I'm just interested in using all the tools I have to, to do that. And um, and I feel like my writing is getting better. My songwriting is getting a lot better, and my and my voice and everything's kind of just becoming. It's kind of settling into into um, you know who I am, and uh, I'm still trying to refine my my guitar technique and style further, so that I have a more identifiable sound. But it's it's all a really it's all a really fun process. Fantastic, man! You're doing great. Now you play Thank a lot you. with Rodney Crowell. Those must yeah. be really fun shows, first of all, because he's a legacy artist with uh, all these hit songs in his past. Also must be kind of interesting for you, too, because that's really, I imagine, that's not a muso crowd coming to look for chops. He's probably got just fans of songs that people, they knew him on the radio, you know, and they want to sing along. And so you're playing with an artist that's really known for his his songs, not for the playing. Right. It must be some fun shows, I guess. But what are those like? It's really a blast, you know. I I hadn't really performed as a sideman with someone, you know, for an extended length of time for for years. But I was I was playing some shows with Robin Ford, and and Robin said he pulled me aside and said, Joe, you know, I just want to say to you, you know, you're 24, so that's how old I was at the time. He said, when I was about your age, I got the opportunity to perform with Joni Mitchell, and he said it totally changed my life. It was one of the most beautiful creative experiences I've ever had. And he said, if something like that comes along with a really great songwriter, he's like, I encourage you to do that. And so the opportunity came for me to work with Rodney. And I remember Robin saying that. And, and I and I knew it would be a special experience because he's such an incredible songwriter. He's really a master. And, you know, when I'm on stage with him, I don't think about anything musical. All, all I listen to is other lyrics. And he just kind of hypnotizes people with these lyrics and he has a kind of a, a stage presence that reminds me of Johnny Cash. You know, Johnny Cash was his father-in-law when he was married to Roseanne. And, and you know, I've heard so, so many great stories about all these legendary people that, you know, Rodney and Rodney Guy Clark and Towns Van Zandt, you know, this kind of ilk of, of really, really high-level song, songwriters. And it's really changed the way I listen to music you know I never used to listen to the words of songs when I was a teenager I just used to listen to the guitar and the chords and the, the melody and whatnot but uh it's it's really opened my mind up to a, a whole new way to enjoy music and his his audience are uh yeah they're really interested in his songs and the story and you know they they appreciate you know, my musicianship, and he always lets me shine and, you know, has me do a few songs, and, and I usually open the show as well when we when we play as a trio, and it's just him playing his little 1930s double L double O Gibson and me playing my mate, and then Eamon McLaughlin playing fiddle and mandolin, and we all sing three-part harmony, so it's just a really, it's really a beautiful musical experience, and uh, it's been really yeah, very special to get to get to do that. Hey, man, congratulations on that. I would love to see that show. And, uh, it's a fun well, show. And it would, I would be remiss, too, if I didn't mention to people, like, check out your website for sure. Really good introduction. I guess you got JoeRobinson.com. Congratulations. Probably Thank you. a few people yep. that wanted that one <laughs> <laughs> out there in the world, non-guitar players. But um, you also have this great YouTube channel. Yeah, I saw that you do these live shows, like that Blackbird thing. And you do those weekly? 
yeah, I, I do a, a weekly live stream concert. It's happening usually on Saturdays at 6 p.m., although sometimes Sundays. But uh, yeah, folks can tune in on my Facebook page and my YouTube channel. And um, yeah, my website is joerobinson.com. I also have a, a True Fire channel called Guitar Synergy yeah. where I post tutorials for songs and uh, yeah, a lot of different lessons. There's over 300 videos on there you know, as we're speaking and, and I'm just uploading more videos constantly. And I also have a program called Joe's 12, which is a course in which I interviewed a lot of my mentors, including Rodney Crowell and people like Eric Johnson, Robin Ford, Steve Vai, Tommy Emanuel, just really, you know, people who have inspired me and encouraged me so much. And yeah, it's really a, um, it's a, a really cool 12 week course for anyone who's interested in kind of yeah, yeah. diving into to that material. That's badass. That has its own separate website, right? Joes12.com or something. Exactly. Yeah. Joes12.com. Very Thanks, cool. You. People should check it out. Anything else that we should cover today? I mean, this has been great, but I've, no, it's I'm been thrilled. Re- to- yeah, re- really great t- t- catching up with you. And, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I really enjoy your podcast. And I remember, I remember listening to the one with Tommy Emanuel where I think you were at the coach house. Is, is that right? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, he was back, he was playing. And I think you said you had a 50, SM57 on him or something. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and, and I mean, I always, I'm just such a such a fan of Tommy ever since I was uh, I, I was young and I, I really enjoyed that conversation so yeah it's my, my, my pleasure to be on the show thanks for the invitation oh man thanks for doing it did you ever play the coach house I have played the coach house yeah yeah uh, I just yeah. always really appreciate it when someone's gonna cram in an interview after sound check and before the show with me is like oh god thank you Tommy that guy never yeah. runs out of energy yeah he's he's inspiring and talk about someone who practice practicing all the time I mean, I've told this story a bunch of times before, but I'll tell it really quick. We played this show in, in Germany one time, and it was this concert hall of like 2,000 people, and he just played this incredibly high-energy show. He was doing drum solos on his guitar. He was just giving it his all. Then, you know, as soon as the show finished, he went back to the hotel, did the, what they call the Elvis getaway, and I stayed and packed up my cables and sold some merch and did that, said, said hi to the people. And then I went back to the hotel, and I'm staying on the same floor as him, and I'm coming up the elevator with my guitar on my back, and I hear, I hear this. Like through the door of a, ro- a hotel room? Yeah, I hear his metronome, and he's practicing to his metronome at like 1 a.m., <laughs> you know, after playing a, a show that was as high energy as, as any I'd ever seen, and he was just working on his timing and practicing, so... Yeah, and the, the the coach house is a great venue. I, I hope it survives this these COVID nineteen times. I think I read an article about you know places like that are, are struggling. Yeah, there's a lot to still be uh, to be determined. Uh, I was I'm amazed you just have your metronome right there in front of your video camera. Does it travel with you? What, what brand is that? What do you like to use? Well, this is my metronome and tuner. Oh yeah. So that, so I have my tuner in front of me in case I needed to tune up. But uh, it also has a metronome feature, which is very handy because you always have a metronome on you if you're carrying this as your tuner. But my main metronome that I use, and this is the Chord TM60, by the way. Yeah. And that's what Tommy uses too. But my main metronome is, is I think, a Seiko, S-E-I-K-O. And it's, uh, it's a lot louder, which I like. Yeah. And it has this dial on it. You just turn the dial to go slower and turn the dial to go quicker. It's just, it has more of a tactile feel. And that's my favorite metronome for practicing, although it doesn't have, you can't dial in exactly 100 beats per minute. It's like 102 or 106 or, you know, or 98. It's Ooh. kind of like you just got these little notches, but but it's it's really ha- handy and, and it's nice and loud. 
Well, thanks for playing for us today, man, and geeking out and uh, singing too uh, and setting up all the, the mics. I, I appreciate it so much. Um, really appreciate it. Keep it alive till you're 95, Joe. Thanks so much, Jude. Take care, mate. You're crushing it. No, the time is safe.